1209, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, so Eric Bilstead, got two yes. things going on here. You know, we share this computer here. It, John McCure has somehow locked it into his Twitter account, so none of the rest of us can get into our Twitter accounts. You can't log them out? No, it, you can't log them out. It, it's in there. But, but I mean, I can see mine, but I'm logged in through his. So that means if there's anything you've wanted to tweet out as John McCure, we, we can tweet that out as <laughs> John McCure. <clears throat> right, exactly. So if you get what strikes you as a peculiar one, it's, well, that's what happens when you don't log out. Okay, here's my other thing. Of course, the weather, you've been talking about it all morning. Mm-hmm. It, it's not good. Uh, this email comes out at, at 12 o'clock, so it comes out like nine minutes ago, and it comes out from well, somebody who, uh, our, our friend Anita Walker, who's big with the building here. There is some ice falling off the guy wires in the north end of our parking lot. Uh. We are going to close the area. We highly recommend that you move your car. You can park across the street in the Piggly Wiggly parking lot. Be careful crossing the street. Thank you. Well, want to guess where my car is parked? <laughs> It would Across be the street? no, no, no. That's in the no. It's in the north end of oh, the parking right where, lot. Oh, right, it's right oh, where the ice is oh, falling. Oh. We highly recommend that you move your car. Well, problem is, I've I've got this little thing called a radio show that I'm going to be doing for the next couple hours. So we'll we'll just we'll yeah, just kind of see. Well, it's yeah. just well that that is the, the, that is the thing this this morning, and I think we we had this common experience with the weather. Um, my my little dog wakes me up about five fifteen in the morning saying that she wants to go out, so I get up and walk outside, and, and I don't know about you, Eric, but my driveway, just a oh, sheet of ice. It's awful. Just a, a sheet of, of ice, and I, I had actually kind of put on my, I figured that was going to happen, because I kind of put on my boots, and so, but even then, I, I'm walking like in real little mm-hmm. man steps, yep, because yep. it's just, it oh. was just an absolute mess out there. And it's still bad in some spots. Around the metro, okay right now, but still, just a mess. Well, the, right, the, the thing is, the, um, it, the roads driving in were fine or okay, but the, the biggest thing, sidewalks and parking lots, oh, I had an errand gosh. or two that I had to run this morning, and it was like you put your car in the parking lot, and it, and then it's just kind of like, okay, hope you can get to the sidewalk and stuff. So the bottom line is we want everybody to be careful out there, and it looks like there's some more stuff that's going to be coming through, so keep it tuned to WTMJ. We will continue to keep you updated. All right. Let's get right to the program. After a few-day hiatus, we are live streaming back. Um, you can follow the first section or two of the program. Um, you can go to facebook.com slash 620WTMJ, and you can follow this. You can participate in the program in that fashion as well. Let's get started. There has been an ongoing battle as to how to fund road repairs. In the state, one of the big issues in the last gubernatorial election was, oh, don't vote for Scott Walker because he's allowed the roadways to fall into complete and total disrepair. And that that's fine, I, I guess. But the, the question is, all right, how, how do we pay for this? Do you really need to pay for this? Has there been a lot of waste in the Department of Transportation budget? And, of course, you know, a number of the ads that were run against Scott Walker during the last campaign were run by essentially the road builders industry who made a ton of money off of the Republicans and off of Governor Walker when we were having all the road expansion, but but they want even more. It's like, give it, give it, give it to us. And now the guy who's in charge of or who is up to be in charge of the Department of Transportation, you know, he's one of those lobbyists who wants to spend a ton of money. In any event, we're wrestling with how to figure that out. Some people are, including apparently the governor, Tony Evers, thinks increasing the gasoline tax would be the way to go. Well, yesterday, two days ago, 
some powerful Republicans came out and said, you know, here, here's the idea. Maybe what we should do is we should look at exploring the idea of putting in toll roads across the state. Now, here's the way this would work. Before you could put a toll road on a federal highway, like I-94, for example, what you would need to do is you would need to get permission from the federal government to do it. However, you know, the state government has the right to take, I don't know, um, state properties, and you could you could turn those into toll roads right away. You, you could put tolls, for example, on bridges. Last week, I was in Florida for a couple days, and last Friday, what we did is, is we went um, – we went down to Fort Myers Beach, if you've ever been in that area, and then we went over to Sanibel and Captiva Islands. Well, to, to do that, to get from Fort Myers Beach over to Sanibel and Captiva, you've got to pay a, I think it was six bucks. You've got to pay a six-buck toll to go over the bridge. Interestingly, when you're coming back, you don't have to pay a toll, but they've got a $6 toll. So the idea would be, let's figure out certain areas in the state right away, let's put toll roads on. Now, I think there's two questions here. First question, of course, is do we really need more money for the transportation budget? And I understand that some people don't agree with me on this, but I'm not convinced that that's the case. I continue to think that there is an incredible amount of waste in our ongoing transportation budget, and I don't think you raise taxes or raise fees unless you are absolutely convinced that you have explored all other alternatives. That's number one. But let's put that question aside. Let us assume for the sake of argument, that yes, there, there's no more cutting, there's no waste in the Department of Transportation, and yes, we need to raise more money for the roads, right? So that's what I want to focus on. I'm not at that point yet, but let's just say for the sake of argument, that's where we are. So the question then becomes, toll roads, is that a superior way to go than, say, raising the gas tax or increasing fees? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Would you support toll roads in Wisconsin? You can also participate via Facebook Live. It's facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ. Back to discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1215 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Twelve eighteen, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us again. We're live streaming this segment of the program, Facebook.com slash six twenty WTMJ. All right, prominent Republicans, Robin Voss and Senate Majority Leader Scott Fitzgerald said placing tolls around the state we think is a way to generate them funds that we need for our state's highways and bridges. You can do it on bridges. You can do it on an awful lot of places. There's more flexibility on where tolls can be placed, and that's why we want to study this. Is this a good idea? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, again, I think the way you have to look at this is, first of all, first question is, do we really need more dough? And I am not convinced that we are there at all, because I don't think you do that until you absolutely positively know that you have eliminated waste. But let's assume you get past that point and you say, okay, we do need to figure out a way of raising revenue. In my opinion, I think it does make sense to look at toll roads, because in the situation with toll roads, what you are doing is 
is you are at least requiring the people that are going to be using those particular roads to pay for them. I mean, I think it's a much fairer way to go about this. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, I would rather budget for a higher yearly registration fee than mess around with prepaying monthly toll cards or throwing change into a machine. Well, here's the problem. The registration fees, unless you are going to jack them up dramatically, aren't aren't going to generate the type of revenue that people are talking about. If you're going to be, you need something, I, I think, that's sustainable. Also, you know, the various registration fees, that's going to be dependent on people who are, again, purchasing the cars and renewing the registrations and things like that. I guess I just think that a toll road, if you get to the point where you decide that you need more revenue, I think a toll road is a fairer, more equitable way to go about it. Now, the problem with toll roads is, of course, that you you have to – you can't discriminate as to where you put them in. For example, you can't say, all right, all, the only thing we're going to try to do is we're going to ca- try to capture Illinois drivers. So what we're going to do is we're going to put the toll roads, you know, right at the state line, and, and we're only going to have them run a couple miles, and that's what we're going to charge. You have to be more equitable in the way you approach it. But I think that the the toll roads, again, it also takes into account something that happens with the, the hybrid cars and the, the electric cars. For example, I mean, right now, the principal ways that you generate revenue to repair the roads are the registration fees and they are the gas tax. Well, what about the cars that, I mean, use very, very little gas? So you have somebody, for example, if you're driving that electric car, yes, you're paying the money in your registration fee, but you're you're, you're not paying arguably your fair share with the gasoline tax because you're not buying gasoline. And that's one of the problems you have as we become more energy efficient and the cars start running, um, getting greater and greater amounts of, of mileage. The people that are driving those types of vehicles pay less. If you go with the toll road concept, and you're not going to put them in all over, but if you go with the toll road concept, at least you're capturing a portion of that as well. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's Justin. He says, I think despite the waste, there's no way the transportation needs can be funded merely through savings. Thus, toll roads are the modern evolution of the gas tax, the only equitable fee. Yep. All right. Yeah, here's Al. He says, I hate tolls. Don't really care for higher taxes either, but I'd rather raise the gas tax. Well, the issue becomes, how much do you raise the gas tax? Here's Ray says, I vote for raising the gas tax. That way, everyone who drives pays for it. Um, anybody in favor of a toll road never lived near one. Well, okay, problem with the gas tax is that... That we don't, that not everybody pays for it, or not everybody pays their fair share. If you're driving one of the electric cars, for example, that runs on very, very little gasoline, all right, you're you are not paying your share. And I'm not faulting people for doing that. I understand we want to promote energy efficiency. I just think that as the as modern driving and modern techniques for automobiles has evolved, the, the gas tax has become kind of like a dinosaur. Mike in Milwaukee. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. What do you think? Well, I mean, first off, they're a pain uh, going through yes. them. I mean, and we all know that. That's why we hate Illinois. 
But one of the other major things that uh, is not being discussed here, or at least I came in a little late, maybe you did, is uh, administrative costs. Because what you're going to have, you're going to have people, probably will be a company, some type of a business that will run this, and they're going to take massive amounts of the toll money coming in. And I think that the percentages would be much higher than the people actually believe right now that would go to the administrative costs. Right, right. Well, I guess the, the I mean, the, there are always those administrative costs. At the same time, you know, lots of other states do this. Let I mean, let's talk about the first thing, it being a pain. You know, most people who drive the toll roads regularly, what they do is they get those, what do they call them, I-passes or something. So, you know, you just put them in the window and you, and you go right through. Um, I mean, so I think there's ways you deal with that. The administrative costs, yeah, you're, you're going to have that, but you're probably going to have that with almost anything that you do if you're going to raise revenue. Well, and then uh, there was... Well, of course, you were talking all that uh, money that goes to that. But don't we also lose uh, federal highway funds for that also? Y- yes. you. I mean, thanks to it. You would need a waiver. If if you were going to put it on the federal tollway, on the federal roads, you would need a waiver from the government to do that. that. That is absolutely correct. You could do it as a starting point. You could do it on, like, state bridges and things like that. For example, that's why I was thinking, again, when I was in Fort Myers last week, I mean, if you want to go from Fort Myers Beach over to the to Sanibel Island, you pay that $6 toll. My guess is you could do that as a starting point. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Brian in Menominee Falls. Brian, you're in WTMJ. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I'm from, 20 years ago, I lived in three states, New York, New Jersey, and Philadelphia. They <laughs> okay. all have tolls. Right. Um, I've been here for over 20 years now. What I love about my state, and uh, don't be mad at me, but I love the fact we have no tolls. Mm -hmm. I hate tolls. I'm not mad at you. I hate taxes in general. Don't get me wrong. I'm with you. Okay. I I, I think tolls, first of all, I think they'll look tacky. And second, in Philadelphia, all those tolls are not helping the roads. So I don't know how, I don't know if it's corruption or what, but the roads in Philadelphia and New Jersey are in worse condition than ours. So the so your point is your point is tolls are a hassle and the money isn't being spent to improve the roads. No, and they look tacky. Yeah, no. Well, thanks. Well, I guess I I mean I don't know so much about the look. And I, again, this is why I started this conversation by saying I'm not at this point where I'm convinced that we need to have more revenue for the Department of Transportation. I, I think if you look at what's happened over the last several years, it had, road building has been a gravy train for the highly paid and very well compensated road industry who was greedy in this last election and decided they wanted even more, so they wanted to put their guy in, Tony Evers, believing that he's going to give them even more than they were able to get under Scott Walker. Well, I'm not at that point, only that if we have to accept as a premise that you need more revenue, you got to explore different options. I don't like increasing the gas tax. Plus, I, I continue to believe that that's just not going to generate enough revenue. If you have to do it, I think toll roads is certainly something to explore. But to me, that's a that's a last step, and it's a long way to that. It's twelve twenty seven. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Thanks for watching on Facebook Live. <laughs> Go 
1236. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The weather in Wisconsin might not be great. That could be an understatement. But things in Arizona are heating up. The 2019 Major League Baseball season is right around the corner. And WTMJ is your home for Brewers baseball all spring long. For a full spring training broadcast schedule and to see when Mr. Baseball Bob Euchre is on the microphone, go to WTMJ.com or text the word SPRING to the Acunet Mortgage text line at 414-799-1620. All right, if you follow me on Twitter, and I know a lot of people do, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 One of the things I try to do during the in advance of the show is send out some tweets highlighting some of the different things that we are going to be talking about on the show together with links to certain of the stories. And sent out a link to this story that will, it actually it kind of gives you the visual. I will describe this, but again, if you follow me on Twitter and you want to see the photograph of what this particular item of clothing looks like, you can follow me again. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. All right. Gru, who's producing the show today and always. Do you know what a balaclava is? You know what a balaclava is. Steve Scafidi didn't. All right. A balaclava, no, it's not something you eat. A balaclava is an article of clothing. It is sort of like a ski mask. Um, what what it does, well, here's the description. It, it's... It's a form of cloth headgear that's designed to expose only part of the face, usually the eyes and the nose. They come in different styles, and you can wear them in different ways, but typically only the eyes, nose, and mouth, or just the front of the face, is unprotected. And there are some that have versions of like a full face opening. But, But think ski mask. Like, I have two or three. And I wear them in the dead of winter when I'm going to be outside. Most typically, um, when when I would go to Packers games at Lambeau Field in December or November or January, that, that's actually why I bought a couple of these. And so what you do, at least the ones I have, is you, you pull it over like you would a ski mask, and you pull it down and over your head, and it kind of covers your, your neck. So you've got those protections. Now, the ones that I own, and there's different styles, all right, you can pull it down, and it, it can expose your full face. So you've got it over your head, over your ears, and you've got that round opening for your face. It has a piece on the neck, piece of cloth, that you can then pull up to cover your mouth or cover your nose. So the ones I own, well, you you can, if you choose to wear them this way, and you can pull the thing up as far as you want, but it it can really be so like only your eyes are exposed, right? They have different styles of these, though. Some of them look very, very close to the the full kind of like bank robber ski mask types of things where you you, you pull it down and you've only got your eyes and your your mouth that is exposed. So there's different styles of these. But this has been an article of clothing that, well, it's been around for, for, well, hundreds of years. During the Crimean War in 1854, handmade balaclavas were sent over to the British troops to help protect them from bitter cold weather. It's and and chances are if you're into outdoor sports like skiing or snowboarding or snowmobiling, you you might have something like this. So why are we talking about balaclavas? Well, there is a controversy and it kind of stems from this whole blackface thing. Gucci, you know, the very famous designer brand of of clothing. Gucci had come out with a balaclava sweater. So what what this is, now again, the, the typical balaclava is like a ski mask that you, you pull down. 
the sweater that they have, and I, I sent out a, a picture of this, again, if you follow me on Twitter, it's instead of pulling it down over your head, it's like a turtleneck sweater. And you can take the turtleneck and you can pull it up. It's a woman's sweater. And what it does is it will cover your nose um, but leave your mouth exposed as if you were wearing a, a ski mask. So it goes up over your nose exposes your eyes it doesn't cover the top of your head it's just that you've pulled up the neck on the turtleneck sweater and it's left your mouth exposed now gucci because they are stylish gucci has the area that is open around your mouth they've got and this is a woman's sweater they've got like red lining around the outside to make it look like somebody's like wearing red lipstick so that's the best way i can describe it black turtleneck sweater that you can pull up <clears throat> And it will cover your nose, leaving your mouth exposed. All right, that, that's that, that's it. Not a true balaclava because it's not a hat, but th- this is the idea. So you might say, oh, well, that seems like kind of an interesting idea. Where are you going with this, Jeff? Why is this controversial? Well, here's the story in the Washington Post. The latest controversy involves this sweater. People have become outraged that they are now selling it. Let me read you a portion of the story. A lanky white model with glossy brown hair is pictured against a light gray background. A black turtleneck obscures most of the bottom half of her face, save for her mouth, which peeks out through a hole cut out of the fabric. Outlining the mouth hole is a ring of red in the shape of what appears to be lips. Images of this sweater, a wool balaclava jumper that retails for 890 bucks. Now, don't get me started. I mean, if you can spend $890 in this particular sweater, it's God's way of telling you you have too much money. But let's put that aside. Images of the sweater, a wool balaclava jumper that retails for $890, were shared on social media Wednesday and sparked an intense backlash, many calling the garment's design racist or haute couture blackface, as one person described it. Late Wednesday night, Gucci issued an apology and confirmed that the turtleneck had been immediately removed from our online store and all physical stores. Gucci deeply apologizes for the offense caused by the wool balaclava jumper. We consider diversity to be a fundamental value, to be fully upheld, respected, and at the forefront of every decision we make. We're committed to diversity. We are so sorry. And I was watching one of the local newscasts today, and the anchor people were just tut-tutting this. Oh, this is terrible. How could Gucci have come out with something like this? All right, let's open up the phone lines. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, I understand the concern about blackface. I understand that, you know, what some people might thought of was funny to, uh, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago to, you know, dress up in that fashion. I understand that that's inappropriate by today's standards right in this particular case though you have now it's a black sweater you have a black sweater which is designed to be pulled up over one's face to cover half of the face is this racist should gucci have had to apologize and for all the rest of us for example that have these balaclavas and and i own a couple of them and you know what maybe i shouldn't admit this grew but the ones I own, they're all black. 
They, it just they're they're all black. Matter of fact, I I don't even remember, know if they come in other colors. At least when when I bought them. Okay, so is this racist? Can we no longer wear something which is going to cover a portion of our face in an effort to keep ourselves warm on cold days because it is going to be perceived as being racist? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, is this just another example of hey, we need to be more woke to what's going on and to the subtle racism that's out there or is this political correctness completely and totally run amok 414-799-1620 we discuss in a moment if you're on the line please hold on 1244 jeff wagner wtmj 1247 jeff wagner wtmj gucci has apologized for not being woke they've come out with this balaclava sweater if you're just tuning in it's a turtleneck sweater that you could pull up. It covers, it goes up to your eyes. It has a mouth hole opening. Um, and they've got, because Gucci is trying to be stylish, they've got like red lips that are around the, the mouth hole opening. They have now had to apologize. Oh my gosh, because people were upset that this is racist. Is it really? Steve in Brookfield. Steve, you're on WTMJ. I'm looking at the picture online. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could see how it could definitely be misconstrued. Uh, the the red lips are not like a thin red lip. It, it's a big red marking around the mouth hole mm-hmm. uh, that is reminiscent of what you'd see in the minstrel show, where there'd be like big red lips or or big white lips against the black background. Well, I mean, it's meant to represent lipstick. I mean, I think you know it's a female sweater. I I, I understand, but it, it's you don't see female lips like that big. I mean, I'm sure it's unintentional. Um, I'm sure it was with with stylish intentions, but the way in which it comes off, it just doesn't look right. You know, sometimes some there's sometimes there's a fashion thing that comes out, and they go when they look at it later on and say, "Oh my God, it looks like a swastika or something." You know, and they have to pull it. You know, you just don't go there. And well, of course, um, if you're looking at the same photo I am, that the model. I would say at least half her face is exposed, and it and it's white. So I mean, it's clear right. that she's got where she's white. Right. Okay. Let me ask you this: If the sweater were red, would you have an objection to it? If it was all red, no. If it was all black, no. I mean, if the whole thing was black with just a uh, without the lips, it would be fine. Okay. So your objection is to the lips. Okay. Thanks for the call. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, as I said frequently, there, there is. There is real racism in this world. I get it. At the same time, I think this is one of these situations where you have people who are out there looking for stuff to be offended by. Now, the reason it has the big red lips is because, I mean, it's Gucci. They're trying to be stylish, and they're trying to represent, okay, this is like lipstick. It's a female sweater that is there. And... It doesn't even cover the entire face. And I guess I, I just now, I, I seriously, I mean, I question what what is, you know, what is the standard now? I have a number of, I have no, a number of the balaclavas. Now, again, they're the hats. They're not the sweater that you pull up. But, okay, can I, can I pull this down? And if I, I don't know, if I have, there's some of the styles that have the mouth opening exposed. Well, red lips or not, I mean, if, if you're wearing something like that, is that now the equivalent of blackface? 414-799-1620. Here's a text. It totally looks like blackface. Well, it, it doesn't cover your whole face, but regardless, it's not blackface. 
It's not somebody who is dressed up to make them appear like they performed in a minstrel show. It is somebody who is wearing something to protect themselves from the elements. 414-799-1620. Um, all right, Jeff, I saw the Gucci garment. I'm not seeing the issue at all. So are we going to ban overalls because it represents manual labor, perhaps that races from Central America are linked to? How about the sombrero that's now linked to insensitive stereotypes? Well, that's the that's the point. Um, let's see another text. Under Armour has a balaclava hoodie undershirt. You may have seen Major League Baseball players wearing them during games in April and October to keep themselves warm. The A's wear the green ones. Does that insult Martians? Give it a rest. What's next? Are ninjas racist too? Well, that's, I think, one of the issues. All right, here's another text. This ranks up there with the absurdity of thinking Mary Poppins is racist. PC completely run amok. Um, okay, let's see. Jeff, yes, this is racist because we can't afford all, all afford over $800 just for the sweater. They are discriminating against average people. Somebody else says, Jeff, can I still wear my black ski mask? I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. Now, look, I, again, I don't, I don't quite understand what the purpose of this was. I mean, normally this is a sweater. Again, this is a sweater that you, you pull up. I mean, functionally, if you're cold, you would think that you would have the more typical balaclava that you would pull down. But I mean, I now do wonder where, where is this goal? Can you, if you are a white person, can you wear a ski mask now that has the eye holes that are out there and the mouth hole that shows that you are a white person underneath? I mean, can you wear a black ski mask? Do we need to ban black ski masks now and black balaclavas because somebody somewhere might perceive this as being inappropriate? I get the controversy over blackface. I get that discussion. But this isn't blackface. This is a this is a hat or in this case it's a sweater. It's a ski mask. That's what these things are. They're not blackface. They're not meant to represent blackface. They are meant to keep you warm. And in 2019, apparently, look, I could care less whether Gucci sells these things or not. And like I say, if you've got 890 bucks to spend on this, that, that raises all sorts of other issues as well. But the idea that, well, people are going to be offended by this, I mean, give me a break. 1253, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. One hundred eight, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Well, we, we have all these sports guys around here now, so I, I typically leave the sports analysis to our army of sports commentators. I will say this: that the Milwaukee Bucks, and I'm I, I I'm more interested in college basketball than pro basketball, but they're they're the real deal. I was I was watching TV last night, and I happened to turn on the the Bucks game. I wanted to check in the score, and I, I saw that it was like eighty to fifty. And I thought, oh, this has got to be well into the third quarter. Were you paying attention, Eric? It's, yeah, it's, sec- it, it's not even halftime. <laughs> I'm going, it's, it's not even halftime. And they've, they've scored, I think they scored 85 points in the first yeah, half. Yeah. I mean, it was, I, it, you know, of course, the contrast was the UW-Minnesota game. That was 56-51 for the whole game. I understand it's college. That's 56-51. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're I mean, it, the, the Bucks won, what did they score, like 140-some-odd yeah, points, yeah. and Washington scored 120. It, there wasn't very much defense being played, but it doesn't matter. All's, you know, all's well that ends well. But it was just wild. Now, having said that, 
you, you look at some of the moves the Bucks are making, this trade they're just announcing seems to me to be a great one because here's the deal. You, you got to go back to earlier in this week. You had Thon Baker, who Thon Maker, who was the uh, high round draft pick from Bucks a couple years ago. He he was buried on the bench, wasn't happy playing, wasn't getting enough playing time, wanted to be traded. So they swing a deal with the Detroit Pistons. Now I said this the uh, the other day. The, the Bucks have a reasonable chance at winning the NBA championship. I mean, I understand maybe, but, you know, they've got the best record in the NBA right now. And, I mean, maybe some people think that, you know, Golden State or some of these other teams are better. But, I, you know, you know who knows? But, I mean, the Bucks certainly, when you talk about who's going to win the NBA championship, they certainly have to be in the conversation. And I always thought from Thon Maker's perspective, I understand you want a little more playing time. He got shipped to Detroit. I mean, Detroit's five games under five hundred, and they're, I, I think, you know, they're struggling to make the playoffs. If they make the playoffs, they'll be out and won. I was thinking, you know, if this was me, and, I mean, I'm under contract. I understand you want to play, but I think, man, give me a chance to win the NBA championship, and then then I'll demand the trade. But in any event, so they, they, they acquiesce. The Bucks trade him to Detroit for this guy named Stanley Johnson. All right? So... You know, both of them were kind of underperformers and stuff. So what the Bucks do today is they take Stanley Johnson, a guy named Jason Smith, who came over earlier this year in the George Hill trade and certainly hasn't been a big part of the team. They take a bunch of second-round draft picks that they had, and second-round draft picks, well, okay, you're, you're always taking a chance as to whether somebody's going to make the team. They package them up, and they trade them to New Orleans for Nikola Mitrovic, who is is a stud. The, the guy's averaging 16.7 points a game, 8.3 rebounds. So you've essentially, you've, you've really, at the end of the day, you've swapped Thon Maker for Nikola Mitrovic, who's averaging you know, four times as many points as Maker was. He's got 8.3 rebounds a game. And it's really somebody that you could see fitting in and, and helping the Bucks as they pursue the NBA championship. I, I think it's just an absolutely great move. The other thing is this guy they got, this Nikola Mitrovic, he's, he's an unrestricted free agent, which means that they're, they're on the hook for whatever his contract is for this season, but he's a free agent at the end of the year. So he, he's, he's a rental, but... You know, the Bucks are, are certainly in it to win it, and it's exciting, and they're making a lot of noise. And you kind of look at some of these moves, and you have to say, well, if you think about all the wheeling and dealing, this is essentially, it's Thon Maker, really, for this player, who clearly, I think, can provide a lot more assistance to the Bucks this year than Thon Maker could. So, I mean, I think you have to give this an absolute, complete, and total a plus as far as a move. Lots of credit to the Bucks, um, who are definitely a team to watch. All right, let's let's switch gears. We spent um, a lot of time on the program yesterday talking about the, this horrible story. Milwaukee, up until last June, the city of Milwaukee had gone. Well, you had to go back to 1996 to find a Milwaukee police officer who was killed in the line of duty. We have had three since then. Last June, you had the officer who was killed, um, was participating in a high-speed chase. They lost control of the police vehicle. The vehicle rolled. Uh, one officer died. You had, uh, then a month or two after that, you had another officer. Matter of fact, his killer is scheduled to go to trial on Monday. 
executing a search warrant, looking in a house. The killer is alleged to have been hiding under a pile of clothes on a landing. And then when the police officer got there, the killer stands up and essentially executes the officer. Long criminal record. And then you have the story yesterday. Um, I think everybody knows the underlying details. A little after 9 o'clock in the morning on the south side, you have the tactical unit, the SWAT team. They're... Um, they're executing a search warrant. We don't know yet all the details, but they were looking for guns and drugs. That's that's what we're told. As they're in the process of executing the search warrant, um, somebody from inside the residence fires on the officers and hits and kills Officer Matthew Rittner, who, I mean, I said when I, when I sent this out on, on Twitter, I mean, if you were trying to... Look for somebody who just absolutely embodies what the whole concept of protect and serve is. That this is this officer, Matthew Rittner. Three, he's a Marine, three deployments overseas, firefights, you know, a, a, attacked in various occasions. I mean, this was a guy who was dedicated to wanting to make the streets safer. This was his career, a, a lovely young wife and a child. I mean, it's just, it's just such a senseless sort of thing. One of the surprises, though, about this is, and I confess, and I didn't say anything like this on the air, but I'll, yesterday, but I mean, I'll be honest. When when you hear, okay, they're executing a search warrant, and there's somebody from inside the house that fires on the police officers, you have an image of the background of the person who's alleged to have done that. I mean, you're, you're thinking, okay, this is somebody with a lengthy criminal record who's been in and out of the justice system. Th- that doesn't appear to be the, the case. The um, number of media outlets have addressed, have, have named the man who was arrested. His name is Jordan Frick. He's 26 years old. Here's the way the Journal Sentinel described. They got a story up there saying, friends say Jordan Frick, the man held in Milwaukee officer's killing, was a gun enthusiast. Not sure exactly why that's the lead, but here's to me the more interesting thing is this is somebody with little or no criminal record, which distinguishes himself from, I think, the typical person that gets involved in shooting a police officer. Jordan Frick, 26, this is the Journal Sentinel story, was arrested after Officer Matthew Rittner was fatally shot while part of a tactical unit. Frick had not been formally charged as of Thursday morning or booked into the county jail. Though he has only a minor criminal record, he appears to have been raised amid trouble and tragedy. His mother died when he was very young. Father was not part of his life. His brother died in 2015 after being run over in the street when he laid down after a, a night of drinking. Um, but they, they go on and say he's a gun enthusiast, enjoys attending gun shows and collected accessorized guns. He works on cars to resell for profit, but was mostly a couch potato who didn't go out much to clubs and bars, etc., etc. No, no major criminal record at all. No felonies, no misdemeanors, apparently a, a drunken driving or something like that, but traffic related offenses. But again, no prior felony or misdemeanor cases as an adult. So this is not the, the, the typical guy. And I think it's going to be interesting to see once the criminal complaint comes out what the evidence is and, and what the circumstances were. Some people are already speculating that, well, maybe he didn't know it was the police. Well, I, I, I find that impossible to believe as somebody who has 
worked with tactical units uh, quite a bit, you know it's the police But before they end up entering that. But the interesting aspect of it is you, you have somebody, again, with no criminal record. He's not the person that you would necessarily have thought of as being the guy that's going to shoot on and fire on police officers. But as Mayor Tom Barrett says, well, you, you know, you look at the warrant, and I assume the mayor has seen something that the general public hasn't. Uh, you know, you're talking about guns, you're talking about drugs, and that's always the element of danger that's there. But this does appear to be, at least as far as the background of the defendant, perhaps a, a little bit different than normal, which is why I think a number of us want to see the charges when they inevitably come out. It doesn't, however, change the fact that you have a Milwaukee police officer who who is dead as a result of doing his job, and you have somebody who ends up shooting, firing on him while the officer is in the course of doing his job. I want to, I want to revisit something we, we talked about just briefly yesterday. We took a couple calls on it, but because of all the different timing, we didn't really have a chance to go into it in as much depth as possible. I think many of the people who are involved in law enforcement view it not just as a job, but but as a calling. And I think that's one of the things. I, I, I'm sure that there's people who make the decision to be a, a police officer or, you know, work for the federal government, or be an FBI agent or be a DEA agent or work for the State Division of Criminal Investigation or, you know, be a county sheriff or whatever. I, I know that there's some people who probably go in it and, and view it as a job uh, because it's, well, okay, the, you've got these benefits, you've got the salaries, you can retire it, whatever. I think more than a job, though, the vast majority of people who go into law enforcement as a career view it as, as a calling, view it as, as a profession, view it as something that they can do to give back to the community and to, in, in small ways or, or large ways in a, some occasions, can, can make a difference. And I think you can't help but look at the fact and see that you've now had three Milwaukee police officers in the last eight or nine months who have lost their lives in the performance of, of their duties, doing their jobs, all under different circumstances, you know, all under different types of occasions, but three people who've lost their, their lives. And it seems to me you can't help if you are either somebody who's in law enforcement now or somebody who has a spouse or a significant other that's involved in law enforcement or it's your kid or your grandson or your granddaughter, men and women, of course, both involved in law enforcement, who's involved in law enforcement, who's got to be taking a, a real step back after the developments yesterday and saying, oh, okay, is, is this worth it? Is it worth putting your life on the line when you know you've got these people out there that are willing to fire on police officers or are willing to endanger the lives of all sorts of other people and the police officers by running from them, et cetera, et cetera. It's clearly, it's always been a dangerous job, and it's always been a job that causes you to face a degree of violence. But it seems more and more now that you have these officers who are becoming victims. So here's what I want to discuss. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you believe that, that the events of yesterday, coupled with what's been going on in general, is going to cause people to rethink their decision to... Again, choose to be part of law enforcement. The way I phrased this yesterday was, if you're in law enforcement now, are you having second thoughts? If you've got kids that are considering law enforcement, 
Would you advise them to do that? 414-799-1620. Does this make you think twice or three or four times before choosing law enforcement as your profession? I've got my theory, but I'm curious as to what you think. 121, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in just a moment. It's 124, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Bob in Waukesha. Bob, good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. How Hi, Bob. Are you? I'm well, thank you. I, I, I told your screener that I'm a 29-year veteran of the Miami-Dade Police Department. I'm second-generation law enforcement. I've wanted nothing more over the years to follow that up with a third generation. Mm-hmm. And my son currently has an application in uh, with the Milwaukee Police Department. Mm-hmm. But I have to tell you, I have grave concerns at this juncture. And and those concerns would be what? Just the, the violent nature of the streets out there? What exactly? I, I'm not sure it's the violent nature. I, I, I think it's the, the idea that law enforcement is under this microscope scope mm-hmm. uh they're constantly being reviewed and uh and second guessed absolutely anything that they do and and they don't always do things right we didn't always do things right i get that but but i just uh, I, i'm just not sure jeff and my goodness my heart goes out to this family Oh yeah, it's just no, uh, Bob. Thanks. So you were you were in Miami Dade. I mean, you were you were there during the the cocaine explosion and stuff in South the, Florida, right? The the McDuffie riots, right? All that stuff. No, no. Thanks for the call and thanks thanks for the service. I mean, and that's I mean, uh, see, th- this is the issue, and, and I'm sure I think that's that's a factor that is going on as as well. It, it used to be that I, I think. The the over I mean there were there's always there was always a certain element uh, of the population out there who didn't like police officers or whatever, but in, in general I think it it's a profession that that still I mean draws a lot of respect and I mean you, you saw the outpouring from citizens yesterday you know after the procession and things like that but but I mean I think part of it now is there are there are an increasingly larger number of people, not by any stretch of majority, who, who view the police as, as the enemy. And to, you know, Bob's point about the, the second guessing, the, the idea that, you know, they can do nothing wrong, that the police, I mean, there was somebody out in Madison who described the police as an occupying force, for God's sake. I mean, really, I mean, okay, that, that, that's great until her home becomes, gets burglarized or something like that. And, and I'm sure that that's something that, that causes the, the struggle as well, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think. I, I now have, you know, four grandchildren, you know, through my, through my wife. And if any of the four of them were to come to me and say, "Oh, okay, can, can you talk a little bit about it? We know you have lots of experience in law enforcement. Do you think this is a, a great career?" I would say yes, it's a great career and it's a calling. But you need to understand what you're getting yourself into. Amy in New Berlin. Amy, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Amy. Um- I'm the, my son is a city of Milwaukee police officer and he's also a National Guard MT. Um, his class handled the funerals for the two fallen officers this summer. Right. So we did a lot of talking about, you know, is this appropriate? And, you know, is this a good career choice? You know, a lot of 
a lot of soul searching. The, the police department has a fabulous support system for all of us families. Um, a lot of outreach, a lot of, you know, just mm-hmm. support for the families. And I really, my son loves what he's doing. Right. He absolutely loves what he's doing. It's a calling. He, it's a calling for your son. Well, and he was, yeah, he was an EMT first. And now, you know, he started wanting to be a firefighter, then went to EMT. And he decided he really wants, he wants to be a, a police officer. And he's, he's, he hasn't been on the force that long, but he really, really loves what he's doing. And I keep checking in with him. He's doing good. You, you like what you're doing? And he's like, I love it. I love it. I'm like, you know what? God bless you. Somebody's got to do the job. It scares the crap out of me. I went, you know, it's just, I see those things on the news and I just, yeah. it no, breaks it's... my heart. But, it, it, but by the same token, I am incredibly proud of him. I could yeah. not be prouder of him. Well, and Amy, thanks for the call. That, and I think that's the attitude that people have to have. Would I discourage people from choosing this profession? I, I wouldn't. But I would say that you need to go into this now recognizing that maybe it's different today than it was 15, 20 years ago. And you just have to realize that there's going to be a lot of people out there who are going to second-guess you. There's a lot of people out there that have their own agendas, and they're going to try to use you, in some cases, to try to advance those agendas. It's 129, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 137, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, so I, I'm, I'm trying one of my New Year's resolutions. I'm trying to work on more being like the half glasses half full guy. So I'm, I'm looking at the 10-day forecast. And it's a little bit of a struggle here. I mean, today you've got just awful, awful, awful conditions. Tomorrow gets down to like around like one degree. We're talking like air temperature before you get the wind chill. Eh, Saturday, okay. And then Sunday, snow showers. One to three inches. Monday, one to three inches of snow. Tuesday, rain, snow, three to five inches. And then it kind of picks up a little bit. Week from Saturday, I'm getting on. I'm, we're going to make our annual trip to Key West. So I'm just trying to like get me get me through to that. But I'm trying to be the glasses half full guy. I'm trying not to worry that my car is parked in the back parking lot. We're getting this notice of saying that ice is falling. I, I will... I, I will say this. When I got up this morning and the, my, my dog decided she wanted to go out at about 5.30 in the morning, and I had the foresight to have my, like, winter boots and stuff by the door because I had listened to the WTMJ forecast, and I knew we were supposed to get freezing rain and stuff. And, and I walked outside, and, and my driveway, which slopes down um, it, it slopes down to the, to the street, which helps in drainage and stuff, but, I mean, it was just a pure sheet of ice. And uh, the grass on either side was uh, snow-covered and frozen and extremely slippery. So it was one of those deals where both the dog and I were trying to do our best not to fall. Uh, driving, I had to run an errand or two this morning, and, and driving around, I, I found the roads to be okay, but uh, the parking lots and the sidewalks, I mean, kind of kind of iffy, no question about it. And it really doesn't look like it's getting necessarily any better and you've got the forecasts that are saying that this is going to be going on for a while especially the next you know three four hours we do this from time to time on this program um, when there are conditions like there are conditions outside now which affect all of us i mean it, the one thing about weather is it, it is a common thing some people get interested in sports some people are interested in politics some people are affected by various things. We are all affected by the weather. So I want to devote just one segment of the program before we move on to the weather conditions that are out there. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My experience driving in, particularly when you go 
got onto some of the roads that had not been treated as well was that the word I would use would be treacherous. If you have been out and about, or you're out and about now and you can do so safely, 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How bad is it out there, either on the roadways or the, the sidewalks, the city streets, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I know in a number of our outlying areas, you, you had schools that were closed. And again, I'm looking at our radar, and this is one of the things where, without interpreting the radar, it, there's really different dividing lines right in our area, depending on where you are. Some people are getting snow. Some people are getting freezing rain. Some people are, are getting rain. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. What are the conditions where where you are? How treacherous is? that? that again, that's the word that I would use would be treacherous, especially on some of the side streets when I was driving today, and particularly in some of the parking lots and some of the sidewalks. All right, 414-799-1620. Let's start with Tony on the northwest side. Tony, good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Tony. Hey, I'm on 92nd Street by Good Hope heading uh, towards Mill Road, and it's pouring out big time, but uh, the roads are they're not slippery. Everything's nice. Okay, so but, it's... Uh, well, I am concerned about later on if this will freeze because there's a lot of puddling going on. Right, so what you're getting is you're getting a lot of rain, but apparently where you are, it's it's a little bit above freezing, so you're not having it. At least right now, it's not ice. Correct. And then uh, I just turned on a side street, and that's pretty good, too. So there's no ice yet. Yeah, that's good. Now, thanks for the call. And, and at our studios here, now we're a little bit closer to the lake than where you are, it's it's 34 degrees. So, you know, any precipitation that's falling is undoubtedly, you know, falling as as rain. 414-799-1620. What's it like where you are? And one of my one of my friends who lives in Florida who's listening on the internet just texted me and said, "Well, <laughs> thank thank you, Dale." Dale's text was, "After you tell everybody how bad it's there, can I tell you how bad it is here?" Now, he's in Fort Myers. No, I don't want to hear that. Denise and Racine. Denise, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. All right. How bad is it out there? It is not bad at all. I am heading close to Lake Geneva. I live in Wisconsin, but it's just drizzle. The roads are great. I can't complain at all. My driveway is a sheet of ice, but... Right. <laughs> that it's i have there's no problems on the roadways at all yeah i think you know and again i think i i i say this all the time but i i mean it sincerely denise i think i think we do we do bad weather we do snow and ice and stuff like that as a general rule we do it very very well but the bigger concerns are like like people's driveways and the sidewalks and the parking lots and things like that that's where at least this morning i considered it to be a lot more treacherous who knows what's going to happen though as the day goes on and the temperature drops and all that with all this water that we've had so. I, I totally agree i i'm listening for i mean i'm off of work <laughs> for the next two days so i'm glad about that but right well drive well take take it easy thanks for the call drive safely my wife was running some errands today and the the my that was my message i said for goodness sakes we don't want falls so just be be careful in parking lots and sidewalks melissa barkley you have a traffic update i sure do the, the two left lanes of i-43 northbound at west holt avenue are closed due to a crash the milwaukee county sheriff's office says it could take an hour or so to get that cleared up again the two left lanes of i-43 northbound at west holt avenue they are 
closed due to a crash. Of course, we'll keep you updated on any changes throughout the afternoon right here on WTMJ. It's 143. Let's take a quick break. We'll continue this for one more segment. If you're out and about, I, how bad is it out there? Our initial reports right now are saying, well, it's just coming down as rain. Um, Parking lots aren't great, sidewalks aren't great, but the roads themselves are okay. Is that what you are experiencing? 144, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 146, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're talking about weather conditions. We do this from time to time when we're all experiencing this, and it's just, it, it's, you get all sorts of stuff that's going on there. Snow in some parts of the area, freezing rain in others, rain in other places. The, the good news is that the storm system, they're, they're saying it should be out of here by about 6 o'clock. Now, the bad news, it's to be followed by a massive drop in temperatures and winds picking up and things like that. 414-799-1620. Kelly in West Bend. Hi, Kelly. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. How bad is it in West Bend? Well, it's not too bad. It's raining, but the temperature just dropped from 34 to 33. So we're kind of flirting with that. Right. So it could, could turn to ice at any minute. So... I thought, well, I'm going to head home and spend the rest of the afternoon <laughs> in my house. Yeah, well, it, I mean, the the again, I'm I'm saying I'm working on trying to be the glasses half full guy. I mean, one of the things is at least when you have these temperatures that are around here, at least if the roads are properly treated and salted and things like that, the salt is able to work. It's not like, you know, last week where you've got the ice on the roads and you put it on and it's 10 degrees below zero and it doesn't work. But I, it sounds to me like you're being smart about this. It's just like get home, settle in, and, you know, it, listen to the radio or whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. And the road, the main roads right now are, are fine, but... That, that can change at any second. Um, it can. No, thanks to call, which is why you just got to be aware of this type of stuff. It's just, you know, for all of those of us who were in mid-January thinking, oh, this is going to be this great winter. Well, you knew we were going to get some of this. Sue in Cedarburg. Sue, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Sue. This reminds me of getting ready for spring. You know, it's this kind of day where it's raining and it's not too cold and you're thinking, oh, spring is around the corner, and I know that's not true, <laughs> but the um, the roads are fine. However, when I was out at 6.30 this morning, my driveway was glare ice, and right. I figured we can get out of the driveway and get out into the main roads, we'll be fine, and it's fine. Parking lots are good, and I walk with a cane, and I'm not worried at all. Good enough. Well, take care, and that, that that's that's good to hear. Like I say, it was, and I will say this. So I, I, I get out, I, I take my dog out 5.15, 5.30 this morning, whatever it was, and then I, I, I wish I could tell you I, like, stayed, I went back to bed. <laughs> you know, so, and I will say this. When I left the house about 8.45 this morning, the conditions had improved. I mean, even that, that couple hours had made a, a big difference. 414-799-1620, Warren in Appleton. Warren, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Um, yeah, I have the unfortunate uh, luck to be trying to get back home to Bristol from Wausau. Okay, it's pretty bad up here. Yeah, you're getting you're getting a ton of snow. Right, you're getting a ton of snow. Right. Oh yeah, it was yeah. coming down real hard, and the roads by Appleton right now. I just turned on to 45 southbound at Appleton, and they're really slick. Yeah. So yeah. Me much longer. I'm I'm waiting to get to that line where I'm going to hit all those roads that are just great, like you guys are talking about. But not yet. Yeah, and um, 
Well, I I'm looking I'm look I'm looking at the radar and I'm I'm wondering I'm not sure you're going to hit that line, my friend. I'm afraid, you know, at, at least right now. But drive. Thank, thanks for it. drive drive carefully. I mean, that is again, and, and I know I'm going to stand up for meteorologists in in Wisconsin because, and I know I pick on I pick on some of the th- ways that like weather gets covered from time to time. But I mean, part of the thing is, and I don't know if it's the lake or whatever. You you have these different gradients, and like I said, I'm looking at the radar right now, and depending where you are in the state, you could be like Warren, who's just getting whumped with snow as he's trying to get home to Appleton, or you know, in the extreme southeast corner of the state, it's it's clearly rain, and then for a good portion of our listening area, it's that that freezing rain mix. Jeff in Racine. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Jeff. I uh, About 1 o'clock this morning, I drive truck, and I went up towards uh, Wausau and then back, and the interstate system was completely terrible. Yeah. Uh, more ice than snow, definitely. Right, and that was, But that was like 1 a.m. this morning. Right, but I just got back, and until you got to just before the Oshkosh area, it was still freezing drizzle and ice-coated yeah. everything. Yeah. Our last caller, who's heading to Appleton from up, he's, he's not going to want to hear that. <laughs> so you, you uh, had to get all you had to get to Oshkosh, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Once you get by about Oshkosh south, it clears up pretty good. It's just rain, but uh, yeah. Uh, well, glad you made it. Thanks. For, I'm seriously glad you made it safely. This is uh, again. We'll, we'll continue to keep you updated. It sounds like, based on the reports, that around this area, at least, like I say, at our studio right now, it's going up. It's 35 degrees. So, I would assume the precipitation at this point in time is falling as as rain. Um, so you, you've got that. But you, you want to be mindful because if you get a continues to come down, you get a five degree temperature drop. You're talking about something definitely different. We will get through this. We will get through it together. We're all in the same boat. It's 152. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. One fifty-five. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I, I'm getting a number of questions about the man who was taken into custody yesterday in connection with the shooting of the Milwaukee police officer. And at least as of this morning, he, while his name has been released, he he has not made any sort of court appearance at, at all. I would expect, and, and see, unless unless he. Um, or through an attorney that's appointed for him, somebody was saying, does that mean he's he's on the street? No, he's not. He's he is in custody. The way the law works is when you take somebody in custody, there there is a period of time that you can be held uh, before charges are issued and before you have a right to to see a, a judge or a court commissioner or whatever for an initial appearance. That that's going to vary um, from time to. T- it's going to vary on. On when you were arrested, it's going to vary on availability. For example, if you had gotten arrested on a you know on a, on a Friday evening, sometimes you might have to sit in, in jail until like Monday morning before you know you can see the court commissioner or see the judge and end up getting the bail. I would expect that there will be unless there's an attorney appointed and they decide to waive the initial appearance. My guess is that there will be some sort of court proceeding 
Well, certainly by tomorrow. Um, if he was taken into custody you know, yesterday morning, I, I would expect certainly by tomorrow. Now, does that mean that, that all the, the I's are dotted and T's are crossed in connection with criminal charges? No. It, it's entirely possible that there might be, wouldn't be surprised to see perhaps a, a criminal complaint and then that criminal complaint then subsequently added to as the investigation goes. But it, at the, um, for people who are wondering, you know, where is he now? He, he's, I, I'm presuming he is, in fact, in police custody, and at some time, if not later on this afternoon, and we're not having any reports of that, certainly by tomorrow, I would expect that there would be some initial appearance that would be made, at which point in time they'd make the decision as to whether bail is going to be set or not. I am going to have a lot more to say about that that case But I'm trying to hold off until we we actually have the charging documents because there there are a number of questions. And as I was saying, you know, earlier in this hour, one of the big surprises about this is the man who is in custody, he he's not he does not have the criminal record that you would expect somebody who is going to be accused of murdering a police officer has, which, again, is going to make you wonder what exactly were the circumstances. And by the way, I'm, I'm not defending this in any way, shape or form. As somebody who's worked with the Milwaukee Tactical Squad on multiple occasions in another life, they they make it known who they are. I mean, I saw some speculation that I thought was probably pretty irresponsible. Maybe the guy didn't understand it was police. But believe me, you know, when the Tactical Squad executes a search warrant, there's no question that you know that it is the police that are in, involved. And, and regardless... Regardless, I mean, who just who fires at, at people under these circumstances? But we'll we'll know more about the exact circumstances after the district attorney's office has had the opportunity to conduct witness interviews and do the forensics and then formally issue the charges. But I, but I guarantee you, there, there's going to be a, a lot of discussion and just another one of these horrible situations. It seems like in Wisconsin, we've just had more than our share of this. You had the the Jamie Claus case, which I ended well to the extent that you know she was she was found safely, although her parents were murdered. You had the situation that we've talked about a lot about what happened out in the freighter parking garage where you had the 33-year-old nurse that was killed. Now you have this case. It's just one situation after another on the mean streets around here. It's 208. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Some sad news from the world of sports. I um, We moved here. My parents... Moved here when I was like yeah, like eight or nine, maybe ten years old. And so I, I've been a Wisconsinite since then. But my mom and dad were both from Baltimore, Maryland. And that's I was born in Baltimore. And um, I, I, I'm a baseball fan, if you can't tell. I'm I, a huge baseball fan. But I grew up, in the beginning, I was a big Baltimore Orioles fan. And I can remember my, my first recollections of going to baseball games first games i went to were baltimore oriole games and my grandfather lived a couple blocks away they, my grandparents lived a couple blocks away from what was then memorial stadium in in baltimore where the orioles played and i can remember multiple occasions where they would my grandfather and i would walk down and we'd go sit in general admission seats and watch orioles games and things like that the orioles became a big deal in 1966 when um frank robinson they, they traded f- with Cincinnati, I believe, for Frank Robinson, and he came on and he won the Triple Crown. 
when the you know the leader in RBIs and home runs and batting average uh, that was in 1966 and led the Orioles to a four-game sweep of the Los Angeles Dodgers and that was that was just a big deal I was a kid you know back then and that was my first experience with like World Series baseball and things like that so I've always been a huge Frank Robinson fan he went on to have a a, a very very good career he had a great career before he came over and then he had a great career with the Baltimore Orioles and he was a manager and was very very active in major league baseball and he was in the baseball hall of fame he passed away today at the age of 83 so frank robinson passes away but i i can remember watching frank robinson and brooks robinson play in their prime all right a lot of ground to cover on today's program by the way if you want to get a head start on some of the things we're going to talk about i encourage you you can follow me on twitter it's at jeff wagner 620 and i i try to send out links to some of the stories that we are going to be discussing in addition I I would be remiss if I didn't mention you can also download and subscribe to the podcast of this show. I know a number of people do that, and a lot of the other shows we have on WTMJ. Simply go to WTMJ.com, click on the mobile application, and my producer, Gru, that's one of his big assignments after we get off the air, is putting together the podcast and sending it out so people can listen to it. All right. If you are a regular listener of this program, you know that... One of the things I have railed on over the years is the fact that in the city of Milwaukee, there is a budget item for for revenue from from parking meters and and the like Um, in Milwaukee. They count on parking ticket revenue to help balance their budget as a result of this. You have, I, I think, some very, very user-unfriendly policies that are out there. The idea, and I think they're business-unfriendly as well, because the truth of the matter is, all right, if you if you park at a parking meter and you go in and you patronize a, a restaurant, and and maybe you know you you paid for an hour at the parking meter, and you come out and it's an hour and five minutes, and you find that you have a parking ticket that's there, the, the you're going to feel like you were cheated, and you're going to feel like you were ripped off, and you're going be less likely to go back and patronize that business and in milwaukee they have because it is a revenue item i I think they have pretty much a zero tolerance policy you know we've talked over the years about stories about the the parking checkers just kind of what i describe as chicken hawking the parking meters you know waiting till they they hit zero and then writing the ticket instantaneously and again i believe that that's business unfriendly and i believe it's counterproductive I also acknowledge, though, that you can't have somebody just pull up at a parking meter and just abandon the thing, essentially leave your car there and leave for for eight hours so nobody else can get in. So there is a fine line. But being overly aggressive with parking, I think, deters people. In addition, in it might be one thing for Milwaukee, but I think in some of our, our smaller urban areas, I think parking meters deter people from wanting to shop at some of the local stores. And I don't think people like the hassle of worrying about, are you going to get tickets or not? In the community I used to live in, um, they had parking meters, and the parking checkers were extremely aggressive, you know, in writing tickets. My late wife used to get tickets all the time, and, you know, and we'd, we'd end up paying them at all, but it made you less likely to want to shop at the businesses in that particular community, and you had a whole number of choices. So I, I've always thought... That, that parking meters per se, 
I thought, I think in, in some communities, I just don't think you need them. I think it's bad for the businesses if you're trying to encourage people to, to go there. Now, it's one thing to say, though, again, we're not going to have parking meters, but we are going to have a two-hour time limit or whatever and have people go around from time to time and mark tires or something like that. In any event, the Racine Common Council is now wrestling with this entire issue. And right now they can't decide on what to do. There are a number of aldermen who want to remove all parking meters from within the city. And the argument is that if we do that, it would make the city more welcoming. It would encourage people to want to come and shop at the downtown stores, et cetera, et cetera if we take out the parking meters. They also said that, you know, that the parking meters, they, they don't really, they're not really generating that much money, and we're afraid they're deterring people from wanting to shop there. Now, they're not saying that they think that they do away with all parking restrictions, just remove the parking meters and really try to chronically target the people that are abusing it. You know, the folks that, the person that might, you know, put their car in a downtown spot and then try to leave it all day. All right. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Would you be more inclined to shop in an area where there's not parking meters? Do parking meters deter you from wanting to go into a particular area to either go shop or go to a restaurant? Would you be more inclined to go to a place, go to an area, if you knew, hey, I'm going to be able to park on the street and I'm not going to have to worry about the meters? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Racine is grappling with this right now. Racine is trying to decide, do we just pull out the parking meters um, we'll still say there's two-hour limits and things, but we're not going to have the aggressive type of enforcement. It's not generating that much money, and we think it might be discouraging people. Do Does parking affect where you shop, and do parking meters make you less likely to want to patronize certain places? I, For example, I know nobody in the city of Milwaukee wants to listen to me about this, but I think the overly aggressive approach and now the increased parking rates and things like that, I think that's big picture going to have the effect of discouraging people from outside the city to want to come down and park and patronize places. 414-799-1620. Is it time to say goodbye to parking meters? Stick around. It's 215. If you're on the line, please hold on. 218, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Racine is considering pulling all their parking meters from their downtown area. The idea being we, we think it'll make it a more friendly, welcoming environment. We think it will help spur business. Now, they wouldn't do away with all parking restrictions. I mean, you couldn't just park your car like in a downtown spot in front of a store and abandon it for eight hours. But they would do away with parking meters. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Sheila in Waukesha. Sheila, you're on WTMJ. Hi. I just was calling to say um, I know that that for me personally, it drives me a little crazy to have to use like my debit card. And mm-hmm. I know my grandmother and her friends have, have made lunch plans deterred them from areas where they have to pay to park. 
Yeah. Just because of the fact that they they don't want to have to go use computer. It's not like just popping a quarter in, into a little, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. No, no. You, you pull into the uh, – in Milwaukee nowadays, they, they, they don't, you know, have the old – in many cases, places, they don't have the old-style parking meters. You pull in, and it's space number 454, and then you got to walk right. a block and a half, and you got to find the thing, right. and, and then you got to put in 454. And, yeah, you, you're right. You, you almost exactly. needed, like, an advanced degree in computer technology just to pay for the parking thing. <laughs> Exactly, and so if it troubles me, my grandmother's generation completely does without it. So yeah, no, th- I, that was all I have to say. No, thanks, Nicole. Well, I mean, I, I do. And again, look, the, there, there's always going to be a balancing there. You want to make the area businesses accessible, but but I mean, here here's part of the problem, particularly like in downtown areas. There's you want people to shop downtown. You want to patronize the businesses. But at the same time, you have to realize that there's, I always say this, there's all sorts of choices that people have. And I think if people can avoid paying for parking, I think they're more inclined to do that, even if it's a small amount of money. Gee, I got to pull up and I want to run into, I want to run into this drugstore that I use on Silver Spring. Well, if I'm going to park here, I've got to feed a meter uh, to to be able to park there, and I got to put it even if it's only a quarter or something, or you know I can go three or four blocks down to the the chain drugstore that's got a parking lot that's attached to it, and I can park for free. I think that that is a powerful sort of thing about hey, I think, and I think that there is a segment of people who even though it's a quarter or fifty cents or whatever, just decide that they're going to go you know somewhere else. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty Quincy in Milwaukee. Quincy, good afternoon. Hi. Hi. Um, I think it's not okay that you should be like paying all those like parking meters. Uh huh. And you know you shouldn't do that. That's all I have to say. Okay. Well, thanks for call. Well, I mean, again, it's the question is, and and look, and what they're considering doing in Racine. I want to emphasize this: is they're not saying that they're going to do away with all parking regulations because obviously. You know, I mean, you you want people to be able to go and come. You mean you you know, you don't want somebody just abandoning their car all day at a particular place, a parking spot in front of a store. The idea is you want to make it attractive for people to come and patronize the store and get out and leave. So you mean you do have to have some rules with regard to length of parking. But I mean, I've always thought that in most places, the revenue that you're getting from the little amount of money that gets put into these parking meters simply it's not made up for in the deterrence that you have. Again, given given that people have choices, and I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking of a pharmacy, for example, that that I use. Well, whenever I go to that pharmacy, you know, you're, you're supposed to. If I want to park near it, I'm I'm I got to pay a meter. And and yeah, I understand it's a quarter or thirty five cents or whatever. But I'm sure that that ends up being a deterrent for some people. Tom in Greenfield. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Yes, I think for the tourists and for you and me to come on downtown, I think like uh, Milwaukee does on weekends where they have two-hour uh, parking, free parking, why not do that all the time, uh, get rid of the meters and have two hour, uh, regular two-hour parking on there? Uh, well, you know, Milwaukee's going the other way. Yeah, but you can uh, for your restaurants and for other stuff mm-hmm. and everything else. And I think, you'd be, I think your flow of 
people downtown would be a lot more. Businesses and everything else would flourish a lot more. Well, I mean, thanks to call Tom. I, I mean, I, I agree. Matter of fact, Milwaukee's going the other direction. Milwaukee, in a number of, of areas, what they've done is they, they've now made you feed, you have to feed the meter on weekends. You have to feed the meter, depending on where you are, later into the evening because they view it as, as a revenue source. And, and that's okay. Yes, you, you get the revenue, but I mean, my point has always been, is this being penny-wise and pound-foolish, to use the cliche, because, yeah, okay, the person that's going to park there, you know, they're going to feed the meter, but is it going to inspire people to, uh, again, not go there in the first place? But we're not really even talking about the city of Milwaukee. I mean, Milwaukee is what it is, and they're going to get you, they're going to try to figure out every potential way they can to get their money into your, your their hands into your pocket to get, to get revenue. But what about places like Racine? Um, for example, would they be better off if people didn't have to feed the meter, um, especially when they're trying to you know, get people to go downtown and they don't have the Pfizer Forum or they don't have people that are coming down to go to uh, the, the, the Brewers Arctic thing, you know, they, when they don't have those attractions. Jason in Sheboygan. Hi, Jason. You're on WTMJ. Hey, good afternoon. Um, maybe I'm a minority, but I just like – when I do a parking meter, it's black and white. I put it in. I know how much time I have. Mm-hmm. Boom, boom, boom. If I need extended time, I go out, walk out, put more money in. Uh, I had an incident one time with one of these two-hour parking things, and uh, you know they chalked your tire. Yep. And the man or woman who chalked it must have went in a hurry and chalked up my fender. I have a black <laughs> truck. Okay. You, you know how hard it is to try to uh, sue or get damages from a yellow thing going across your. It, it was not good. So <laughs> no, I got it. So, so you'd ra- you'd rather just pay that. You'd just rather yeah. pay the meter and have them go away. Now they, I get it. I mean, I, I get it. I, I guess again, the the issue becomes under these circumstances. I, see, I, I'm I'm all about accessibility. I think if you if you're a merchant in downtown Racine or downtown Sheboygan or downtown West Bend or or whatever, you want to make it as easy as possible as it is for people to come to your business, go in, get out of your business and not worry about things. And I I guess maybe I'm old fashioned, but I do believe that those concerns about parking and meters and things like that, I think that's a factor. It discourages some people. You've got a downtown restaurant and the issue is, all right, well, there's, there's all sorts of different places you could go. You've got a universe of restaurants. You go to Gru's restaurant um, and he, he's got free parking and there's no problem. And there's a nice parking lot. You go to Jeff's restaurant and you're going to be battling parking. You're going to have to feed the meter and you're going to have to be looking at your watch to determine whether or not you fed that meter fully enough. You put both of those together and I think that might say, oh, let's go to Gru's place. I don't want to have to fool with that parking. That's a factor that's there. I think Racine would be well I, – I, I think they should do it. I think they should try it out. If it determines – if they determine that, gee, you know, we're, we're losing too much revenue or it's not helping our downtown merchants, you can always put the darn things back in again. 226, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Two thirty-six. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, as screwed up as local politics is, as screwed up as state politics is from time to time, as screwed up as national politics is from time to time. 
All I can say is, at least we are not Virginia. You know, we, we talked about this the other day, and it continues to get more and more bizarre. The, the, the Democrat governor of Virginia is, of course, in all this trouble because on his medical school yearbook page from 1984 or whatever, there's a picture on his page of somebody dressed in blackface together with somebody wearing a Ku Klux Klan hood. That, that surfaces on his page. He immediately, this would be last Friday, comes out and apologizes for that, says it's terrible, etc., etc. Then the following day, in a bizarre, bizarre news conference, says, well, um, I, I, upon further review, while I did dress in blackface from time to time, I, that's, I don't think that's me. And when I, when I talked about this on Monday, my reaction was, what? I mean, I, I, I will tell you, okay, I, I was about that guy's age in 1984, right? I know whether I would have known whether I dressed in blackface or, or not. I mean, you could, now, I'm putting aside the whole question of, you know, should, should there be a statute of limitations on bad behavior? Is it fair to judge somebody, you know, who did something in 1980 by 2019 standards? I don't care about any of that. This idea that I don't know if it was me or not. I guarantee you, if somebody said, hey, Jeff, we've got this picture that just surfaced from, you know, your freshman year in college in 1970, whatever, and, you know, it, it, it's, it's on your college yearbook page. I don't think we had college yearbook. And it, it's, you know, you're dressed in this costume. I would have been able to tell you one way or the other whether I ever wore that or not. So it, the, the whole thing is completely screwed up. And now there's a huge push for him to resign. Part of the thing behind it was if he resigns, the lieutenant governor becomes the governor. The lieutenant governor was up until this kind of this up and coming he's african-american up and coming politician it would be okay from a political perspective this is the easiest thing in the world you move out the quote-unquote you know racist governor you bring in this rising african-american politician everybody's happy well and not to mention now that the number three guy in line the the attorney general he's now admitting that he posed in blackface okay but the 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 lieutenant governor is in the midst of this really nasty Me Too thing. Now, keep in mind, remember when Brett Kavanaugh was was up for the Supreme Court, there was all this outrage, particularly from people on the left, that women never make false allegations. And the, the mere fact that a woman is willing to come forward and identify herself and say that she was sexually assaulted, that in and of itself should be disqualifying for somebody like Brett Kavanaugh. I mean, that was that was kind of the argument that was out there. All right. Well, here's the lieutenant governor who, like I say, his name is Justin E. Fairfax. It, it is now coming out that um, at the Democratic National Convention in Boston in 2004, there is a woman who is accusing him of sexual assault. Um, Pardon me if I'm graphic. I'm not going to go into all the details, but forced oral sex. And, And this allegation has apparently been out there for a while. The woman, at least within like a year ago, you know, told one of the congressmen from Virginia that this guy did this to me. And the the allegation is that, you know, they were both at the Democratic National Convention and what started out as something consensual quickly escalated in something that was forced. And again, I'm not going to go into the details, but if you want to see it, the New York Times has a big story about this, as does the Washington Post. For his perspective, the lieutenant governor acknowledges that there was sexual contact. He says, though, it it wasn't non-consensual. Well, 
what, what's new now is that the woman is is coming forward, and you know she's starting to you know talk about it. Um, her and and again, she's her name is Vanessa Tyson. She's an associate professor of politics and an expert in Black history at Scripps College in California. Um, you know, she she says, hey, what began as consensual kissing quickly turned into sexual assault. Then she goes into great detail about this. She also says, well, you know, you know, when this was all happening, this guy was running for lieutenant governor. I, I told, you know, I told other people, I told a state representative or a congressman about this. Um, said that, so this thing has been out there before. She says, um, look, I didn't tell anybody about this because I felt deep humiliation and shame. And she said, I, I was reluctant to speak out about this because, number one, I didn't want to be called a liar. Number two, I, I know there's this ongoing political stuff. She says, look, I'm a proud Democrat. I have no political motive for coming forward. Now, I get I, I don't know the truth of this, and I think this is always the problem. Here you're talking about something and 15 years ago, clearly something happened between the two of them. Was it consensual? Was it not consensual? I wasn't there. You weren't there. None of us, none of us know. But this is, this is the trick box that people now find themselves in because you have a lot of the, these Democrats, particularly Democratic women, who were calling, oh, the, the country's so terrible. You know, we, you, Brett Kavanaugh should have never been confirmed. Um, it's just awful that, uh, you know, the, the lady who came forward and, and you know, made her allegations. It's awful that, you know, she wasn't believed, et cetera, et cetera. Well, now it's a rising star in the Democratic Party who's being accused of the same sort of stuff. And the, the silence is really deafening from a lot of the people who, you know, were calling for Brett Kavanaugh to essentially, you know, withdraw or be rejected or whatever. It is this whole issue of double standard. And again, I, I don't know what happened between the two of them. Something did, but was it consensual? Was it not? We, we don't know. But it's just a complete and total mess in Virginia because you've got the governor black fa- in blackface you've got the lieutenant governor the man who would become governor well he's now accused of sexual assault by a woman who's now coming forward and giving the details then you've got the attorney general who's a democrat he's got the blackface issue i mean you think wisconsin politics is screwed up well um it just be glad you're not in virginia it's 243 jeff wagner wtmj <laughs> It's 246. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The weather in Wisconsin might not be great, but things in Arizona are heating up. The 2019 Major League Baseball season is right around the corner, and WTMJ is your home for Brewers baseball all spring long. For a full spring training broadcast schedule and to see when Mr. Baseball Bob Eucher is on the microphone, go to WTMJ.com or text the word SPRING to the Acunet Mortgage text line at 414-799-1620. Who's producing the show? I, you know, I listen to a lot of the, the the like the national sports commentators, and they don't think much of the Brewers. It's interesting. You listen to a lot of it's like, well, they don't have the pitching to compete, and they haven't done enough, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, those were the same guys that got it really, really wrong a year ago. And do I think that you can expect somebody like Christian Yelich to have? To, to match necessarily the numbers he put up, no. But I think it's a pretty darn good Brewer team. And my guess is David Stearns isn't quite done. But, I mean, you look at down that roster, and you've got some really, really good ball players. I cannot tell you how excited I am for the start of the baseball season. All right. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 I, I do try to highlight some of the stories I talk about and uh, send you some links. 
I have, and I admit this, I have been a cheerleader for the Foxconn project because if it happens, I think it has the potential to be transformative for the state. Transformative in the sense, and when I use that term, I mean, all right, th- this isn't, it's not an old line business that's here. It, it's bringing, it's a new business, new not only to Wisconsin, but, but really new kind of to the United States that it, at least in theory, on paper, etc., is going to be in a situation where what will happen, is, um, let me just, little breaking news, somebody just passed me a note, the, um, yesterday, during this portion of the program, we extensively, with Eric Bilstadt and John McCure and myself and Tony Bedek and Mike Spaulding, we, we covered the procession, uh, the, the fallen officer, um, Officer Rittner, who was transported from the Freighter Hospital down to the medical examiner's office. There is, there's another procession today. It's going to be at 4 o'clock. Uh, the, the body of the fallen officer is going to be taken from the medical examiner's office downtown to um, Krause Funeral Home, 21600 West Capitol Drive, 43 North, and then West on Capitol. That's going to be the route. So, uh, again, we'll continue to keep you updated, but that's going to be the route that's going to be followed. So th- they're going to be closing streets again for that as well. So there's going to be another procession. Just found that out, 4 o'clock p.m., um, 43 North to Capitol and then Capitol West to Krause Funeral Home, uh, 21600 West Capitol Drive. So if you're in the area, you know, be prepared for certain delays. And we will on Wisconsin's Afternoon News be, you know, uh, be bringing you coverage of that as well. So that's the that is the procession that's going to be occurring. All right. Getting back to the point I was making, I, I'm, I believe in Foxconn. Foxconn is transformative if if it in fact, occurs. You're talking about potentially 13,000 jobs. You're talking about jobs that require a skill level, which um, you would need to, to train people to do, so you'd have a more trained workforce. I, I'm, I hope it happens. I, I do, and I admit I've been an advocate for this. Last week, while I was out of town, there were some reports surfacing saying, well, maybe maybe it's not going to happen, and Foxconn is looking to back off on this. And then President Trump comes out, and apparently the, the says, after, well, after talking to Foxconn, they're going to go ahead. Now, I don't know what the case is, but there is a piece that was published yesterday in Bloomberg.com. I have a link to it. Again, it's it's at if you follow me on Twitter, it's um, at Jeff Wagner six twenty. That the headline is inside Wisconsin's disastrous four point five billion dollar deal with Foxconn. It is a lengthy article, um, and it, it's based on it, it's based on interviews. They say with forty nine people. Most of the interviews are, are anonymous, people not willing to come forward because they're afraid of retribution. But if you read the, this this piece, the takeaway from this is that Foxconn was always pie in the sky, that it was never going to happen as it was proposed, and that essentially Foxconn really suckered in former Governor Walker and the legislature and all the supporters and the Foxconn that we were promised is just never going to occur. And the article says it never made any sense. Foxconn never intended to carry through with it. Blah, de blah, blah, de blah. I don't know if this is the case or not. The Business Journal 
has a story up today respond where Foxconn officials are responding to this and saying that the story is completely wrong, you know, and we intend to go ahead, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know what the truth of this is, but it is interesting, and I know we've had a number of discussions about that. I, I encourage you, if you're interested in the whole Foxconn project and the behind-the-scenes wheeling and dealing, for what it's worth, I would encourage you to read this this piece on Bloomberg.com. And again, if you want to link to it, follow me. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. Um, it, it's, it is interesting reading. I don't know how accurate it is. I wasn't the guy, you know, I wasn't behind the curtain and all, but it's it's not a very friendly piece towards Foxconn. And again, the, the ultimate takeaway is that they duped Wisconsin. Now, the truth of the matter is all these different incentives that were included, or at least most of the incentives, are all based on Foxconn hitting projected targets, at least the, the state commitment. And so if this all does fall apart and go to you know where, that the state taxpayers are, are protected. But that, that's to me not the point. The, the bigger point is we want this to happen. Because obviously, if you can bring thirteen thousand jobs at Foxconn, and you can bring you know all the the spinoffs that would be there, and all the ancillary businesses that come through, that would be great for southeastern Wisconsin in general. This story seems to think that and suggest that that was never realistically going to happen. Again, the Business Journal has a piece kind of refuting that. I don't know what the truth is. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. Foxconn is able to follow through in some sort of meaningful form, and even if it's not 13,000 jobs, if it's 10,000 jobs, if it's 7,500 jobs, and they're good jobs, and they're family-sustaining jobs, and they help develop a technology hub around here, I think it's worthwhile. But I do think this article raises some significant questions, especially given some of the most recent reports suggesting that maybe Foxconn is, in fact, backing off on this. I hope this is wrong. I never, ever, ever want to be in a position of trying to root against the success of this state, regardless of whether Scott Walker is the governor or Tony Evers is the governor, regardless of whether the Republicans control the legislature or the Democrats. It's in all our interests for Foxconn to happen. I will say, though, that you read this story, and if there's if there's elements of truth to it, it does make you wonder whether or not this this is really going to come to place. All right, it is 2.54. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll find out what John and Melissa and Greg have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.